presented you. Thank you, Lord, that each heart is open now and is ready to receive. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're going to empower exactly the word that falls into their heart. And you're going to help them and teach them and guide them continuously to be able to implement it in their daily life. You're going to help them to remove these painful and destructive concepts of leaven that we all have in our hearts about life and about you. I thank you, Father, as we prepare for that and we set our intention to do so, you will help us because you are, as we sang, our friend. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And good Come morning. Amen. And good morning, yes. <laughs> yes, you can give him a big round of applause. Come on, guys. Thank you. Awesome. So I'd like the guys at the back to help us out with some scriptures there. Daron, if you can go to Romans 1, 16 and 17. And then we're going to go to Romans 10, verse 3, just as two foundational scriptures to kick off with. And um, yeah, I think we're going to go on a very exciting journey. It's going to be nice. It's going to be lacquer. It's going to be lacquer. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is, everybody say, the. No, no, I want, come on, participation here. For it is the. Do you guys know what that means in English? In English, they call it the. We've got a whole lot of English teachers here. I better not get myself into trouble. Eh? <laughs> it is the definite article. Are you with me? Say definite article. So that means there is no other power. There is only the power. Are you with me? Of the gospel, okay? The gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. 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 Okay, let's say that again. The power. Okay, so what is that saying? That's saying there, there is only one way. There's only one power unto salvation for man. What does the word salvation mean? It means the, in Greek, it means sozo, sotero. It means that we are saved, healed, delivered, set free, made prosperous, made whole. So there is only one gospel, one power that can bring about that salvation in a man's soul. Do you see that clearly, folks? Okay, so there is no other way. Let's go to Romans 10, verse 3. Now, we're going to show you what Paul was saying here. He's saying that in this scripture, he's saying it is the power, the only way unto salvation. Now, look at what it says in Romans 10, verse 3. Why is it all the way to the one side? That's weird, but anyway. Okay. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. What did it say in the first one? It said, for in it... Let's go back to 116, uh, so 117. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Okay, let's go back there. For in it, remember the, the gospel, the power. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Go back to Romans 10 verse 3. Look what it says here. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Let's go, let's go to the New Living Translation of uh, 10 verse 3. Do we have it? Okay, do we have NIV? 
Okay, we need to uh, update that thing. <laughs> but there we go. So, so can you see that here he's addressing, he's addressing a spirit uh, or an attitude of people who are trying to establish a righteousness apart, apart from the power of the gospel. Come on. Folks, turn to the person next to you and say, there is only one way. Say this, say, if I get the wrong gospel, I get the wrong Jesus. And if I get the wrong Jesus, what's the Greek word for uh, that? It's, no, it's kakalakas, I think. Kakalakakas or something like that. <laughs> it's not in the Greek lexicon, don't go look for it, just take my word for it. <laughs> Amen? So, so we've got a problem here, guys. Paul is saying there is uh, this other way that humans try to establish righteousness. And what they look for is they're not looking for the revealing of God's righteousness. They try to establish it in their own way. See, religion is so, so decept deceptive because you don't have to belong to the Catholic Church or the NG Spark Park. Sparkplug Church. You don't have to belong to the Kerk. You don't have to belong to the Pinkster Protestanta. You don't have to belong to any of these denominations to be religious. You don't even have to put your foot in a church building or go to one church meeting in your whole life and your flesh, your way that you have deemed right in your own eyes will make you one of those people trying to establish righteousness in their own heart, in their own way. Yeah. You see, religion is simply a system, a format, a, uh, um, what do you want to call it, a ritual um, to try and connect us back to God. It's man-made. Many scholars will tell you that religion is just a subculture of the lost world. It's the man-made version of righteousness. It's not the gospel that is revealed to us through the scriptures. Amen? Amen? Or should I say, through the cross. That's right. Are you with me, folks? Yeah. Are you with me, folks? Amen. Amen. I don't know if you want to jump in there, Bash, or, or Tussle. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I, th I think you should carry on because that goes like, let, let's stay on the path that we've, we've spoken about. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking, but let's go on the path. Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So are you, are you with us, guys? So what is religion? So religion is an expression of man, like Tasso actually just said in his prayer, of where we, tr where we make up this, this concept of who Jesus is. We get bits and pieces from religion. We get bits and pieces from our principles at school and all authority figures in our lives. We get bits and pieces from our parents at home. And what we do is we, we put together this little sum of who, of who we think we are and how we think we make ourselves right before God. Amen? And that is not the gospel that is revealed from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we have to be so careful of this. We're going to go through 25 points. We won't get through all of them. Of uh, the warnings of a religious spirit, religious attitude. We'll get, we'll get through some of them this morning. I don't think we'll get through all of them. But uh, what I want to say on, on, on specifically on that, remember religion is self-serving. Eh? 
It is a selfish, self-serving system. You, you need to remember that. Every time a person is religious, is they trying to find a way to feel good about themselves apart from their identity in Christ. Yeah. So, and, and we've got to look at, because at, um, we, we've come out of a lot of religious uh, sort of environments and concepts that, you know, that we've had. It doesn't matter if you're born again. It doesn't matter if you're charismatic, whatever, you, you know. Uh, it doesn't make you immune because most of religion is found with, within those denominations. So I need to be careful in my own heart that when I'm doing religious things, I think it's, uh, what, is, what is in Latin? I can't remember the, the word for religion. Relegate or something, I can't remember. Which means bondage. Yes. Yeah. So, so what we do is we get into bondage because we're getting addicted. Because it makes us feel good. It's a form of making you feel good. So that type of system is, again, self-serving and, and going back to what we said, self-righteous. Yes. Makes me to feel better about myself. Well, where is Jesus? Why did he do the work? Exactly. You know? So I think we just need to keep that, um, you know, to keep that in mind. Because I don't know about you guys. I find a lot of religion in me. You know, that, that I have to uproot myself and repent and change my mind, you know. Um, and, um, and I'm sure we'll get into all that uh, later when, when we get into more detail about, you know, about the whole thing. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to bring out. Always remember, you know, because I'd like to know how, how something is affecting my life. Yes. You know what I mean? How, how, what is the practical thing that I need to, to know and experience when I'm doing something? Hold on, there must be a little red flag that says, uh-uh, you know, this is the disguise. Although you're doing a godly thing, it's a disguise because you're doing it to feel better about yourself. Exactly, yeah. You see, so I need to be aware of what's happening inside of me. Yes. Because remember, we've always said the kingdom of God is within us. That's right. Hey? Yeah. Absolutely. So we need to always be taking care. And, 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 and I'm sorry I just keep bringing this up. We need to get out of this mindset of the God out there. We need to always remember God wants to express himself through me. You know, that, that's how it's been designed. He's given me the authority, but he's got the power. So he wants to express himself through me. So every time I do all these religious things, which serve me, yeah. what am I doing? I'm limiting God. 100%. I'm actually, what does it say in Galatians 2, after there was, I've been crucified with Christ? It says, I think it's 21, yes. I am neutralizing the power of God. Yeah. Doesn't it say that? Mm -hmm. hey? Galatians 2, 21. Yeah. Every time he says you become religious or you, you try to experience your own personal self-righteousness, you are neutralizing the power of the gospel that needs to be expressed to your husband or your wife or your kids or at your work environment. You're doing it. Limiting myself is limiting God in me. Absolutely. Come on. 
And, and uh, on that point of religion, Tasso, like you're saying, is that um, you must always remember, guys, that religion was the label given to that specific work of the flesh that involves some higher power. That's what they called it. Okay, it is a work of the flesh because they called it religion now is because you believe that someone, something, maybe it's the universe, maybe it's, I don't know, whatever people believe these days, you know? Hey? Chimp? No, not, not, not Chimbis, okay. <laughs> but uh, whatever it is, it was, it was defined as religion because over the ages, right, people started having disagreements about this thing because it started dictating how they would deal with each other, as does many of the works of the flesh. They all dictate how people deal with each other. Therefore, all these labels and limitations and everything came up, and this one was specifically labeled because, listen, whether it's Muhammad, whether it's Jesus, whether it's Allah, whatever it is, you are religious. There's a deity involved, so you're still in control about how you wanna connect with and serve and be approved by this deity, but you're still in control of it. Are, are you guys with me? So it's important that when we talk about religion and we think of being religious, right, we mustn't create different pictures or, you know, noble pictures or pictures that seem like, okay, that's a good idea. It's not. It's all just flesh. Are you guys with me? God can't be a person who's saying, listen, this is how it must be, and then we decide how we're gonna interact with him. We decide to tell him, okay, this is what we're going to make it, Lord. Yeah, it's like, you saying this, but Lord, I'm comfortable with my little space here. So I'll tell you what, I'll just include you in this little space. Are you with me? That's not the message of the gospel, right? And a lot of, over the years, we've seen it over and over again. And not even recent. This has been a problem from the beginning because the letters that the apostles wrote to the churches deals with all this stuff, you know? It says, guys, how quickly have you forsaken the gospel that was preached to you, you know? In, in, in Galatians, he says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, right? And the reason has always been is that I hear what you're saying, but I need to distort, interpret, change that thing to fit the way I've been serving myself. This is the picture you guys need to have in your mind when you think religion. I mean, think about it, right? Okay. Now, you guys remember in the COVID time, okay? Now, the Catholic Church, typically, uh, when they do baptism, it's that, you know, sprinkle, you know, whatever, cool. Then social distancing came in. What were the priests doing? They had a squirt gun. And the baby was there, and they were like, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There, you baptized. Now, why did they do... I, I'm not even joking. Do you guys not see those articles? That was ridiculous. I'm like, this is not happening. Like, seriously. Okay? But why did they do that? Because the self-standard was created that babies need to be baptized. If the babies aren't baptized by sprinkling the water, whatever they believe, then it's a problem. Okay? Now, they have to social distance because of COVID. What do they do? They change the rule. They're like, okay, let's find a least common denominator that's allowable, and then we'll still make sure we fill that thing, you know? And this is what Jesus condemned with the Pharisees. Mm. He says, woe to you who make the law keepable. Your own traditions and cultures have made you blind to the things of God. Because you are forsaking, like we read there, 
ignorant of God's righteousness, you're forsaking God's righteousness, his way of doing things, his state of being right, right? And you're placing your own interpretation on how it should be. And like Tasso was saying, this thing exists in all of us in every area of our lives, right? You know, over the weeks, we've been dealing with this quite extensively, I think on the Wednesdays as well, you know? And you guys that were here on Wednesday, we, we broke down Galatians again, and we went through it, man. It was so beautiful. But the, the, the principle is, is that in every area of our lives, we will realize that here right now, either we've said, okay, Lord, I want you at the center of this, and I want to see your version of this. Mm. That is the person who is non-religious. The person who is religious is the person that says, okay, this is my story. I'm at the center of this. God, I just need you to be part of this. I'll, I'll keep doing it my way, but just, you know, like you always say, I'm going to do it my way, but Jesus bless it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm going to say in Jesus' name and it'll be blessed. And that goes for everything. Firstly, how we interact with God. Secondly, how we interact with each other. That's what it goes to. If we have any... Uh, uh, um, logic, any perspective, any mindset, whatever adjective you want to use, right? Anything like that, that is the leaven, right, that Jesus warned about. It is the principle that puffs up the flesh, the yeast, like how yeast raises bread. Yeah. I know you said yeast. And I laughed because Didi's like, oh, what's, what's the level of your leaven? And Tessa's like, yeast. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeast. What we're saying is we've all been diagnosed with a yeast infection. Yeah. <laughs> In the heart. <laughs> actually, yeast is there to decompose your body when you die. Yeah, that's a fact. That's why it exists. And, uh, okay, hold on. <laughs> It's a journey. So Jesus comes and he takes away sin, he takes away all the stuff and he becomes sin for us and he actually destroys any, any kind of uh, way that we should try and hang on to self-righteousness. Because like, like Bash is saying, all religion is is just that thing to try and make us right with God. So Jesus comes and he says, never again are you able, if you really want the true God, never again are you able to be self-righteous because you die with me and then you, ra you raise up with me. Amen? So there's no way that we uh, should in any way be trying to preserve ourselves. Self-preservation is anti-Christ. That's what it is. Self-preservation is anti-Christ. A religious spirit is anti-Christ at its core. Because you just read it. I'm not saying it. We read it. It said there. Well, this is the New Living Translation. It says, For they don't understand God's way of making people right with Himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God. Amen? So religion was simply another form that we used to preserve ourselves. And, it, and it, it completely messes the signal up in our hearts. Because, you know, your prayer time can make you feel really right. Eh? Are you with me? But you could, you could possibly have the most self-righteous prayer time ever, walk out of there and feel right about yourself. Hello? 
Men, I'm telling you, do you know that if your idea is to condemn yourself to be right with God, I know people that can do that good. They do a good damn job of it. They'll go into, prayer, into their prayer closet, they will condemn the snollies out of themselves, okay, and walk out there feeling like, I'm right with God now. But in actual fact, you've just hardened your heart to the righteousness of God. You've spent two hours hardening your heart instead of surrendering everything to the finished work of Jesus. Amen? And listen, we're going to go on this journey because we want to, uh, thread by thread, we want to pluck out all of the self-righteousness in us. Because we want to experience the gift of righteousness in every sense, in every way of our lives. Amen. Amen. That's what Christ came to give us, positionally and also experientially. We can't miss out on this. So we're going to go through some of these, some of these, uh, these pointers of how to actually identify if there is a bit of uh, leaven in our lump. Amen. Turn to the person next to you say, just a, Jesus said, just a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Amen. Amen. Are you guys with us this morning? Awesome. So the cross happens, religion gets taken away, all self-righteousness should die at this place. And what's the first thing that we are told to do as Christians? Repent from? Repent from dead works. Let's go to Hebrews 6 verse 1. So what, what's, what's dead works, guys? Can anyone tell me? Shout it out there. Dead works, anybody? Yes, Auntie Shemaine. Amen. Anything that's not of faith is dead works. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to the perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Why is our thing so weird? Check it out, eh? Okay. <laughs> Blame Eskom. So the very first thing we're supposed to do is we're supposed to repent from dead works. And dead works are the same as good works, guys, like we just said about prayer. But the problem is dead works are being done from a self-righteous heart. A self-righteous motive. It's not based on the finished work of Christ. What we're doing is we're putting ourselves at the center of our tithe. We're putting ourselves at the center of our uh, philanthropy. Putting ourselves at the center of loving others. I love so that I can be loved. I love so that I can be right. The other day... um, Dara and I went to uh, Food Lovers Market, and the guy put in two extra Evos that I didn't pay for. So when we got home, I realized there was two extra Evos there. So I took it back to the guy, and the guy was like, so why did you do this? Why did you just keep this? Because I was like, um, but, but why would I do that? And he was like, no, you know what? I know why you brought it back, because you wanted to do the right thing. I said, no, it's not about doing the right thing. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, it is the right thing to do, but it's not about that. And man, I jumped this guy's fence, eh? Because he was like, so then why are you doing it, idiot? (laughs) And I was like, well, I do it because I love you and I respect you and I respect your business. Because I want to experience the righteousness inside me. I'm not doing it because I want to be righteous. I'm doing it because I am righteous. Mm -hmm. 
Amen? Oh, man, that's so different to the way the world sees things. I used to have a, an aunt. Anything that was complimentary, she would fill a bag with it. We went to Sun City once. We came back. She had a complimentary towel, 25 soaps, and uh, 35 small uh, conditioner and shampoo bottles. She just hoided out on the bed, and I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, it's complimentary. I was like, it was. After the second one, it was profit loss. Was she Indian? <laughs> <laughs> was she Indian? She, I don't know. I'm not going to answer that one. You're putting me in a position. Hey, you know, you know Indians in free things, eh? I can expose the Indians. I'm Indian. It's fine. <laughs> Have you seen those people that leave wimpy after they've had their meal and they walk to the counter, they pay their bill, and they're some way all those sweets, actually? <laughs> 50,000 sweets go into their bag. It's free. Man, you just destroyed the whole heart behind getting a free sweetie. <laughs> Are you with me? Man, we've got to understand that when we do things from self-righteousness, we, we are operating at the level of death, man. We are disconnected from life himself. That's it. Amen? Yeah. And so we cannot afford to keep any of that leaven inside our lump. Amen? Turn to the person and say, you're such a good-looking lump. Such a good-looking lump, man. Of righteousness. <laughs> you're a lump of righteousness. Did you guys know that... You know, in Hebrews 4 verse 1, the Bible actually tells us that it is a New Testament commandment. It's a new covenant commandment that you should enter into the rest. Yes. Did you know that God is commanding you to enter into his rest? If you don't enter into his rest, woo, that's that Greek word again. Are you with me? Let's, let, can we read that? Should we read Hebrews, Hebrews 4 verse 1? Oh, there it is there. Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of the rest. What rest is he talking about? He's talking about the finished work of Christ. He's talking about the true Sabbath. Did you know that you need to keep the Sabbath? You know that, right? I'm going to catch you guys. I'm going to catch you. Do you, know, do you know that you need to keep the Sabbath by law? Did you guys know that? Amen. Amen. But who's the Sabbath? Jesus. Jesus is the Sabbath. Let's carry on reading what he says here. You see, these are commandments. Let's go to four, uh, verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us all as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Yo, I don't know if you want to pick up there, guys. This is beautiful stuff. Mm. Go for it. <laughs> mix it with faith. Yeah. Stir Just it. mix it. Stir man. it well. Don't shake it. <laughs> mix it. Mix it. Yeah, okay. Um, I think let's go a little bit back uh, and uh, have a look uh, what, what they call the law first reference. Where was leaven originally, so that we can understand concepts, you know what I mean, of, um, of what leaven is? And if you remember, leaven, first we see it in the book of Exodus. And, uh, um, and, and we see that they had to have the Passover lamb, 
the unleavened bread, okay, and also bitter herbs. They had to eat that together, you know. And uh, we know that the Passover lamb obviously was the blood that they had to apply on the doorposts. And obviously whoever applied it, mostly it was uh, Israelites, but it, it could have been Egyptians, whoever applied it, then uh, the wrath or the angel of death would never touch them. So it wasn't just for the Jews. Whoever believed in it, was, you know, they, they, the wrath of God would not, of the angel will not pass and obviously kill. Because remember, a lot of people ask, well, why, you know, why would the firstborns, uh, killed and also, uh, you know, the firstborn animals. Because remember, in those days when they had their gods, the plagues were the gods. Um, each god, each, each firstborn was dedicated. As you were born, the priest would actually take it and teach it. Your firstborn was taught how to basically worship demons because that's what it was so from a baby you the, the, it's almost there was no recourse there was no way of turning back their heart was totally um totally porous by the god that the priest would keep teaching them that was the firstborn not the second third the firstborn so they were totally given over to demonic uh, entities and basically this is what uh, why the angel went in and 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 killed the the firstborns now the the second thing that we see was the unleavened bread so the unleavened bread always represents because leaven represents not so much sin sin is the result the action you know what i mean Unleavened bread represents the mindset that we have, the belief system, in other words, the leaven I'm talking about. So we need to eat unleavened. In other words, we're not partaking of the wool system of Egypt that it taught us for 400 years of how to depend on the gods of the Egyptians. Because now God is coming and he says, do you want to follow me to the promised land? Well, let me show you how great I am than the gods that you guys have been worshiping. And listen, Israelites, same as you. You need to see that you can't put your trust in anything that the world system is giving you. Because that's what's inside of you. That's the leaven. Okay? And then the bitter herbs that they were having is with the, the lamb was because of how bitter and destructive the will system is. And that's why I want you, when you eat me, I want you at the same time to remember uh, Hebrews 4, what was it? 4 verse 1. Um, and in Hebrews 6, at the same time, you've got to do two things. Repentance from your dead works that came as their source from the will system. That's why you're producing dead works. And one of it is religious, how to feel righteous. And faith towards God, which is I'm eating my Passover lamb. And every time I eat it, I always remember, always remember, I have memory that it's away. 
I've done away with the world system. I've done away, because remember, the world system in every direction wants to attach itself to you so that you can depend on it as its source. That's why it's there. And every day I need to repent from that. And that's where I believe Hebrews 4, 1 came in to, to my head now, that I need to mix faith. I need to trust that it's only the lamb, exactly. the Passover lamb that I'm eating, that's delivered me from wrath because I trusted in that blood. And at the same time, only life is found in the lamb eaten with unleavened bread and remembering at the same time that the world has got nothing to offer me. Just like Jesus said, the world has got nothing in me. And Galatians 5 and 6 talks about the same thing. We are free from the world system. Anything that it's offering, you know? And then we come to what the Bible calls, and we'll get into it uh, just now, mixed motives in our own hearts. Mixed motives. Where a mixed motive is I look at the word of God and I say, yes, I'll accept this because it suits me, but I do not accept this because it doesn't fit my personal preference. And then because of that, I start legitimizing what I want to see and accept and also legitimizing why I reject because of my personal preference. What is a personal preference? It's not serving me. That word there of God doesn't serve me, but this does. See, that's the leaven inside of us. That is the leaven. And until I begin to remove my motives, why that word was given, which I'm not ex- accepting, that God's intention and motives is because he loves me. See, I, if I don't see that, then I'm going to reject, keep rejecting. And that's the leaven inside of me. So the mixed motives is always the leaven that I experience within my heart. That is so beautiful, man. That is so beautiful. Beautiful. I'll tell you, um, you want to back, go into something? Yeah, because I think, um, you know, at that point, um, let, let's talk about what happens. What is the feeling we experience when we, we get pricked with those mixed motives? Like, for example, when you read something in Scripture, right? How many of you, when you read something in Scripture, you think, yeesh, that's heavy? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was an emphatic yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, that's, Lord, what? Are you sure? Let, let's go to Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Um, because it's, it's important that we, 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 we see where to identify these things when they're happening. Because what we'll also do then is that when we, when we feel like, shush, that's heavy, right? What do we do? We go through this negotiation of like, yes, and I, you know, but I love God and God loves me and all this. Okay, Lord, I'll just soldier on. Mm. And we don't actually test what's in our heart as to whether or not it's God's righteousness or it's my own self-service. Are you guys with me? And, and we soldier on and we soldier on. And what happens eventually, crack, burnout, and then we start all over again, yeah. you know? Because deep down in our heart, we know God's real. Deep down in our heart, we know 
Jesus came to die for us. We know all those things. Yeah. But we get to these moments and we're like, yeah, Lord, but this is too heavy. It's too heavy, Lord. Well, let's see what's making it heavy. Because Jesus says here, what did he say? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So if something feels heavy, where's it coming from? Sorry? <laughs> Next. The devil's fault. <laughs> the devil. Where's you know? the devil? The devil, you know. All right, now, now listen, these, this, this applies to people who say God's testing them, God's cursing you, God's teaching you something, you know all that stuff? Look, this is against the words of Jesus. What does Jesus say he gives you? Sorry? Okay. Take my yoke upon you, not egg yolk. Jesus is not talking about protein, okay, focus, all right? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What does he say? Learn from him right for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your what your souls 30 for my yoke is easy and my burden is light now here's the thing when people say oh it's too heavy god's testing me the lord giveth and the lord taketh away this is the wrath of god Etc., 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 forever and ever and ever, right? What did Jesus just say? Does that scripture only apply in certain scenarios? Are we going to choose which scenarios are convenient where this applies? And then in all the other scenarios, it's going to be God's testing, the wrath of God, God giving, God taking. You know all that stuff? Are you guys understanding? So when we come to these things here, like you mentioned in the beginning, the number one... Uh, I said the number one, but 11 is plural, so. The, keep it singular. the number one leave, okay? <laughs> no, I'm kidding, all right? The first area of leaven is that we have created a self-serving God. Do you know that every single one of us in some way or another were programmed to identify with our suffering? Hello? Look at exercise. What do you guys do? Oh, yeah, I feel the burn. No pain, no gain, you know? Think of school. Yes, yeah, see, exam stress, all this stuff. You get on the other side, you're like, ah, you know, like I earned this. This is good. You go to work, 65,000 hours a week. This is good. That paycheck was earned. Jesus comes along and says, okay, I earned it. Here, have it for free. So we're like, I don't know, Jesus. You got to just hold on a second. Because how can I take this when I've got no pain? What are you talking about? Right? So it's those sort of things, guys, that mix our motives. Yeah. So a person would rather believe that, you know what? The sickness that's in my body now, okay? God is teaching me in this. I'm going to endure through this and I'm going to come out with a testimony. God turns the test into a testimony, brother. Okay, whoa, hold on. Just rewind. Because you forget about the scripture that says, for the spirit gives life to our mortal bodies. You forget about the scripture that says that his body was broken so ours may be made well. You forget about the scripture that says, by his stripes we are healed. That's it, Zoe. Snap that finger, right? Are you, are you guys with me? And at the core of it, guys, we never go to this place. We never go to this place because we're, we're okay 
with God being just like us. Because you see, what does the Bible say? We're created in the likeness and image of God, right? His likeness, His image. But we interpret that as God is the same as me. Not I'm the same as Him. You you guys okay? Okay, we're fine. Are you guys with me? Right? Because that's what the, the gospel is about, is that you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. So it's not to make God fit into me. It's now to change my understanding, change my perspective, what I believe in my heart, so that I can rest in how I fit in Christ. Are you with me? I love, I, I, I love this, James, oh, the book of James. You know, that's the famous one. I know you love the book of James. James is amazing, right? I mean, I've had so many discussions with people. It's like, no, the Lord tests our faith. I'm like, okay, show me where. Then they go to all the New Testament scriptures, you know, and they say, you see, test, test, test. I'm like, okay, but where there in that scripture it says God is testing you? Then they look at me. You see, what did they do? They already identified a way to make that scripture serve themselves. Because you see, there is a test for your faith. And what is the test? Like Tassu explained now, with the Passover meal. It is letting go of the bitterness of the world and partaking in the rest of the lamb. That's the test of your faith. Where's that test coming from? You. It's your own heart because of your motives. One, you anchored this side instead of the other side. God can't test your faith. Do you know why? Because your faith is a gift from him. Do you think God would give you something that he needs to test? Does it come with an with a extended warranty? Is it a guarantee? Uh, what is it? You know? Are you guys with me? So it is this understanding, dear brothers and sisters, beloved children of God, family, all these lovely words we use for each other, <laughs> you know? This is the test that we need to have in our hearts to say, okay, but hold on. The minute that I choose to compromise the integrity of the character of God, I'm no longer in faith. Because what is faith? Faith is the trust in the integrity of God's character. That he is, yeah, that he is who he says he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. The minute I compromise that, I'm in the flesh. I am, I'm not only just in the leaven, man, I'm, I'm like stuck, I'm, I'm, I'm rising up with it. I'm stuck in the mud. <laughs> Are you guys with me? So whenever we, we, we read anything in here, guys, you know, and people will say, oh, no, no, but, uh, but God did that to Job. It's like, guys, carry on. God shows up later in the story and he says, who is this clown who is darkening my counsel? This clown is saying things about me, but he doesn't even know who I am. Go read it. Go. They, they stop at 38, but I think it's 42 where God shows up or something like that. 40. God shows up at 40. But they stop at that scripture where they say, you know, God giveth and taketh away. Right. We have to understand as believers, when we say that we are living in faith, we must have unwavering trust that God is who he says he is. Like we, like we broke down in our, our, our series on the death, burial, and resurrection. When Jesus was there in the grave, imagine if he said, yes, this darkness is my test. Yes, this death on me is God turning my test into a testimony. Now, what did he have there in the... In, in the darkness, in death itself, the worst place you could possibly, what did he have? He says, I know you hear my prayers. 
I know you are the righteous God. I know you are the one who redeems me. Are you with me? So when we come to testing our motives, guys, if you're feeling a bit nervous about letting go of how you're going to get this self-gratification from this way that you want to go, you are lacking the experience of the goodness of God in your heart. Because you're still kind of convinced that there's something you can get that God can't give you. Amen. Sorry, dudes. <laughs> no, I say sorry. That was awesome. God is good, amen? So we need to detect the, the leaven in the lump. <clears throat> amen. Let's go through some of the points. Should we have a look at it? Because you must remember, guys, your own, your own self-image on how you are um, projecting onto God and who God is from yourself and your own experiences will torment you. Are you with me? We call them the big L. Well, I used to call it the big L, the Ten Commandments, the big law. And then there's the small L I used to call is the, is the conscience of man, our own conscience. And the moment you wake up in the morning and you open your eyes, it's the little cruel laws that you put on yourself to make yourself feel righteous. And you think that you're doing okay by doing that. You think that you're putting yourself through a spiritual gym or a spiritual exercise so that you can be right. But guess what? You're actually hardening your heart and you're tormenting yourself. I didn't get my kids to bed by uh, 7 o'clock. I'm a bad mom. That's the little L's. I didn't get 80 plus on my exam. I'm a bad student. Are you with me? I didn't go to church the last two Sundays. It's unacceptable behavior. Are you, are you with me? It's the little L's that are destroying us. And when we put ourselves up against those little L's, you know what it does? It causes us to, to become alive where we should be dead. And we start raising up this, this idea of ourselves that should be measuring up and we torment ourselves from day in and day out instead of resting. Amen. Instead of resting, let's have a look at some of these. Do you have them there, uh, Darwin? Ed's typed them up this morning. Okay, number one. The religious spirit will often see his primary mission as the tearing down of what he believes is wrong. Okay, so it doesn't have to only, we're not only just talking about church. We're talking about anything. Are you with me? What is it that you see in yourself that you don't like, that when you see it in somebody else, you're attacking you're tearing down. You're trying to correct. You're trying to fix it. Amen? Hello? Mm -hmm. Do we know what we're talking? And remember, this could make you feel a little bit, uh, um, how can I say? What's the right word? Itchy. Uneasy. Yeah, itchy. Um, it could make you feel a little bit uneasy, but, you know, we've got to deal with it because we're going to recognize certain things in us here this morning that we're still carrying. So do you find yourself being critical? Do you find yourself tearing down what, whatever uh, um, you, know, you believe is wrong all the time? To make yourself feel right. How many of us do that sometimes? You're not allowed to lie in church, eh? That's, another, that's, a, that's also self-righteousness. Just by the way. Hey, 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 I don't lie in church. <laughs> okay, the religious, number two, the religious spirit will be unable to take rebuke, especially from those he may judge to be less spiritual than himself. 
Hau, Ena, Sis, Kaboom, Bam. How many of you guys been in that situation before? Parents, I'm, be honest. How many times have you been wrong? How many times have you been wrong and your child has been right, but you just didn't want to let them know? <laughs> Hello? Guess what that is? I'm the father, I'm the mother of this house. You, you know what we always resort to when they don't agree with us? You are under this roof. <laughs> Not in my house. <laughs> as long as you're under this roof, I'm right, you are wrong. Shut up. I've never done that before. <laughs> Check, Gerald's laughing because Gerald's feeling hectic there. No, <laughs> okay, are you guys with us? The religious spirit will be unable to take rebuke, especially from those he may judge less spiritual than himself. You guys can jump in if you want to comment on anything, please. Can I go to three? You guys are cool with that? Okay. Number three, religious spirit will have a philosophy that will not listen to men, but only to God. Yo, 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 yo. Oh, yeah. People, what? I don't need anyone. I have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, bro. How does that work out for you at, uh, at the workplace? That one. Yeah. I know people that you know, they go from one job to the next job because, you know what? They're so spiritual. They're so spiritual. When the boss tells them to do something, they've got a problem with everything. They complain, they moan, they kick, a, kick up a fuss all the time. And um, they just seem to have a very long CV for no reason at all. Amen. Are you guys identifying some stuff here? Religious spirit will be inclined to see more of what is wrong with other people than what is right with them. Okay. So your position of that one's funny. Because the first three, everyone was thinking of everyone else. They were like, this person's like this, this person's like this. And then number four comes along and be like, we'll be inclined to see more of what is wrong with others. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go to five. Will, uh, the religious spirit will be subject to an overwhelming guilt that he can never measure up to the Lord's standards. Is there anything somewhere in your life where you feel like you're not measuring up? As a man or a woman, as a mother, as a father, in, in whatever role, your career that you, that you take, as a teacher, as a, as a CEO, or whatever it is. But this is, these are the, the indicators. Amen? The indicators. Let's go to number six, okay? The religious spirit will keep score on his spiritual life. Tuss is very quiet. I think these points are getting him big time. <laughs> he's, he's got a thesis he's on like, each one. <laughs> listen, yeah. <laughs> so listen, who's, a, who's, a, who's like a serious chef here, guys? Go he's on. like really good. How do you neutralize uh, yeast, just by the way? Is there a way? Throw in the bin. No, I'm I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is there a way? I just, I, I, I would love to know. Go on, shake it. Is there no way of neutralizing it? Like lemon juice or something, I don't know. Okay. So even then, Jesus did the impossible. Look at that. Exactly. Okay. The religious spirit will believe that he has been appointed to fix everyone else. You. Take it easy, bro. Take it easy. Take it easy. Can you imagine? That's my anointing. I'm anointed to fix everybody else. 
I've been appointed by God to be the way. No, Jesus is the way. Amen. And he is the truth. Are you guys seeing some stuff here? Are you seeing some stuff? Awesome. Okay. Number eight, the religious spirit will have a leadership style which is bossy, overbearing, and intolerant of the weakness or failures of others. How many, how many of you see a little bit of yourself there? Are you guys a bit bossy at work? Husbands? Are you a bit bossy with the ladies at home? Ladies? Are you out of line? No, I'm joking. <laughs> Have you stepped out of line once again? No. <laughs> Hello? Can we see some stuff here, guys? Are we, are we starting to pick up some, some leaven in the lump? Awesome. Let's go to, uh, where was I? None. Religious spirit will have a sense that he or she is closer to God than other people, or that his life or ministry is more pleasing to God. Yo, man, sis, thy yeast stunk. <laughs> okay, number 10. Religious spirit will take pride in his spiritual maturity and discipline, especially as it compares to others. Okay? Tasha, you're making me scared, but you're not saying anything. <laughs> Observing. Okay, where are we? Number 11. Okay. Religious spirit will have the belief that he or she is on the cutting edge of what God is doing. Huh? Must we slow down? Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, where are we? Where were we? Go back one, Ronnie. Oh, there. Yeah, we can, we'll broadcast them. Because at the moment we feel like we're uh, under the paparazzi. Uh, it's like... Tsh, tsh. I know, I know Tasso is good looking, guys, but I mean, jeez. Okay, so if you, don't, if you can't keep up, don't worry, let's do this. Okay, so the religious spirit will have the belief that he or she is on the cutting edge of what God is doing. Very interesting. Yes, the, the latest move of God. Everybody come to us, follow our church. We have got the new move. We're on the cutting edge of God. How many times have you seen that in your life, Tasso? Gee whiz. And, uh, and isn't it amazing when, uh, when we look at things like this, people sort of uh, use loudspeakers about ministry and what they've done, and you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that in a sense because it depends on the motive. Why are you saying it? Because Jesus said, listen, if you want to do something great, keep quiet. Yes. <laughs> hey? I mean, doesn't he say that? He says, don't, don't, don't allow, he says, your left to know what your right is doing. Don't broadcast it. Because he says, that's your only reward. That's it. Don't expect any other reward from me. Because there it is. You got it from men. Now, that's, I'm telling you, and I believe that that is going to do, our rewards will be so much during the thousand year of rain. I really believe that, you know. And uh, so why, why should I steal your reward? I mean, think about that. You, you know, this one is so beautiful because what you've just brought out here is amazing. Because when we're talking about self-preservation... I mean, you go do something that's really going to cost you and tell no one about it. That's one way of killing yourself. 
I promise you. That's one way of not taking self-preservation, the self-preservation route. That'll discipline you big time. Amen? Not, not like some of these folks where they have a certain section just for the tithers. There's a church down the road here, apparently. I just got to mention it. Bless their hearts. We love them. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. But they've got a section called the Prince section. It's just for the tithers. And it's the seats. They've got cinema seats with leather and what, what not there. They heated. Oh, yes. There must be all that self-righteousness must be hot. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> okay. So number twelve, the religious spirit will have a mechanical prayer life. Mm. Hey, you know what? I didn't get to pray this morning. I'm having a terrible day. Mm. <laughs> hey, I didn't have time with the Lord this morning. Sheesh, man. I landed up kicking the dog <laughs> when I got home from work. And, and unfortunately, what we do is we develop beliefs out of those things. You know, um, uh, a very close friend of mine back in the 90s, he had just immigrated from, uh, from Greece to come here. And uh, so he got involved and uh, with me then, and he got born again, and you know, the whole thing. Then he went to a specific church, and they taught him, listen, before you get out of your house, make sure you pray. You don't pray, things are not going to go well. So, without him realizing it, after two, three years of doing it, one day, he forgot to pray, because he was rushing to a meeting. And uh, so the belief kicked in inside his heart, and he had an accident. Uh, what was the other thing? Something about his business went wrong that day. So now it, it reinstated and reinforced the false belief that he had created in his heart, that if I don't do this specific religious prayer in the morning, then guess what? God's going to get me. I've opened the door to the devil. I've done this, that, and the other. Do you see how we self-sabotage ourselves? For nothing? Crazy. Huh? So true. Yeah. Now, if he, had, if he had put his trust in the Lord and say, Lord, I've spent time with you. I've enjoyed you. You're so beautiful. And he couldn't do it that morning. And he's missing the Lord. Not because he was going to get protection, but he's missing him. As he's driving, I'm missing you, Lord. I didn't spend time with you. I love you. And, you know, and then his heart would be still settled. It wouldn't um, convict him, you know? So those are the subtle abuses that we do to ourselves. Because a lot of believers have been taught the doctrine of dualism. So that, that what they actually believe is they believe there's a war happening in heaven right now. And uh, when you pray, Jesus beats the devil up. And when you don't pray, the devil finds a way to take over Jesus and get to you. Yeah. This is the crazy. You guys have seen the pictures with the devil and Jesus on the internet, the busy arm wrestling. Are you, are you, are you kidding me? The devil arm wrestling with Jesus. You obviously have never read uh, any of um, the, new, the, the, the New Testament epistles. Because it speaks of the supremacy of Christ above all. 
Come on. We still want to put the devil in the same league as Jesus? I know these guys, man. These guys, are, they, they, they confess to be men of God, but you know what? They can't even come lay hands on you if they had an argument in the car with their wife or their children. They're so now broken by their, their own behavior that they feel they're not worthy to come and pray for you when God tells you to pray for them. Are you with me? This is not about us, guys. This is about Jesus. Okay, 12. Are you guys okay? We're running over a little because of the delay. Can we, can we keep going? Are you guys all comfortable? Okay, sure. Okay, if you need to leave, you may leave, but just do it quietly then. Thanks. Okay. Um, so number 12. Okay, we did 12. Number 13. The religious spirit will do things in order to be noticed by men. No, skip 13. <laughs> it's number 13. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> it's not Friday, eh? It's Sunday. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is there any Jasons in the house? You know, Jason and Friday the 13th? Is, oh yeah, okay, but anyway, I'm dating myself here. I'm giving away my age. Okay, here we go. Number 14. The religious spirit will be overly repulsed by emotionalism. And then 15. The religious spirit, the same religious spirit, will use emotionalism as a substitute for the work of the Holy Spirit. Haven't we seen that, guys? Don't we see that all the time? Huh? It is crazy. Um, number 16. The religious spirit will be encouraged when his ministry looks better than others. Number 17. The, re the religious spirit will glory more in what God has done in the past than what he is doing in the present. The glory days. The glory days. Which one was that? The, the emotionalism. Yeah, 15. Or overly repulsed by emotionalism will use emotionalism as a substitute for the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, and I was thinking about it this morning because I wrote this thing down because we've replaced our first love and our first works. You know, in, where, where it says, you know, in a, um, Revelation chapter 2 with the, the Ephesus. And uh, we replaced our first love and our rotia and works with legalism, which is obviously dead works. Or information, which is this higher revelation and mysticism. Yes. You know? Now, legalism and mysticism and all forms are works of the flesh. Now, and it's all based on natural physiological phenomenon where we want to experience sensationalism. Anything that's exciting the mind and the body to the degree that it releases hormones, in other words, feelings of pleasure and ecstasy, works through what we call the addiction process. I mean, think about this. To have the feeling that you had the first time, you must have more stimulation the second time. 
So what do you do? You do greater works to feel righteous. So you felt more righteous the first time, okay? We're not talking about the emotion here. We're talking about the sensation. So you felt more righteous. And then I've lost my place. Thank you. Or you go and you search for something much more deeper so that you can get new revelation to feel spiritual. All addiction ends in self-destruction. It's corrosion, internal corrosion. Faith works by His love. Knowledge always puffs you up. Faith is when I trust in His love, but ego is faith in my knowledge. So, we have to be careful that we do not try to experience things with God externally. We have to learn how to experience God internally. And when I experience God internally, it produces feelings, of course. And that's what is called spiritual. And then when we come to an environment where we come this morning, what are we doing? We start now with the music, the, 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 the way that we um, feeling God, okay? It's a reinforcement of what you already have in your own heart. We're not trying to give you a spiritual experience here when you come. This is important. I mean, it's such a fine line, but it's so important because it can corrupt you. Because you, you might be coming here and you've learned, well, we got good music, good word. It's going to make me feel good. Then I'm going to get the strength that I need. Wrong. Get it into your heart during the day, every day of the week, experiencing Him in your heart. And when you come here, all it does, it simply amplifies what you already have within you. You're not, we, you're not trying to get God in this place here. God is not in this place here. God is in your heart. All we're doing is we amplifying to keep experiencing more what you have in your heart. The minute you're trying to get God outside of you to experience Him, that's sensationalism. Sensationalism. And you don't want to go down that line. That's so dangerous, Tassel. That is very dangerous. Guys, we see it happening right now in the church. Because what happens is to build the atmosphere for an external experience with God, what we do is we get more smoke machines. We get more updated lights. We get better sound systems. Then it's not enough. Then we go and get musicians from the world. Listen, I, I know. I used to sing in a band in one of the biggest churches in this country. I was one of the lead worship leaders. And Sorrel, Sorrel, coffee guy, Sorrel, you'll know. There'd be mornings before you go out on the stage, you've got to wake the guys up because they're drunk. 
But guess what? They would pay them session, sessions because they are the best musicians in the country. Am I right, Sorrel? So the thing is, is that, so, so what do we do? See, because now we've got that addiction thing. So we constantly now get better musicians. Then we start bringing in some famous oaks. And they start doing the Easter service and they sing on the stage. But meantime, you know, the, the guys, they don't believe what we believe. But now we're paying them for their talent so that you can have an external experience. You know? And then it gets worse. We've got to get Benny Hinya this Sunday. Because Pastor Didi is not as good as him. As him, not him, as him. And we've got to create another big experience. So what do we do? We call in the big guns so that we can create a bigger experience. And guess what? The church has been doing this now for the last 40 years, 50 years. It's getting worse and worse. And you know what? People are falling away from Christ. They're falling into new age. They're falling into progressive Christianity. They're falling into the Kundalini thing. They're chasing the experience. Nowadays, you've got so many Christians that are going into this new age stuff because it's not in their hearts like he said. It was an external thing they chased every Sunday. And, you can't, and, and the guy behind the pulpit is responsible for that. He is. We love him. But he's responsible. He's created a corrupt idea of what it means to experience God inside your heart. He's taught you to experience it in your flesh. Yeah. I can tell you right now, I get a singer up here right now. If you don't know the difference, okay, and you don't know, and you haven't fallen in love with God through the word, I'll get a great singer up here. I'll make the hair in the back of your neck stand up just as much as the anointing. And you won't know the difference because you don't know the word of God in your heart. I promise you. And let me tell you something. You just switch on TBN. It's full of it. It's full of it, guys. They're using gimmicks and they're using tricks of the trade, of the entertainment business to keep the guys coming back. And then you want to know when COVID comes, why the church falls apart. Because they couldn't go get the hit on Sunday. Bunch of external experience addicts. We must come up with a... I think, I think we'll carry on with the rest next week because we, we're ready now. We've run into 11.30. Did you guys get something this morning? Come on, give God a big round of applause. One thing we've got to understand, guys, one of the greatest lies that ever came into the Christian church is... God helps those who help themselves. That is not in the Bible, just by the way. That comes from George Washington, one of the presidents of America, and some oaks adopted it and put it into the, into the Christian beliefs. We, you know what actually it should have been? God helps those who come to the end of themselves. <laughs> exactly. Amen. Amen. That's the truth. And if you're Afrikaans, like me, I don't speak it well, but it's very disgusting of me. But anyway, we've got our own version of that. It's a Burmaka plan. You know? Say again? The Engelsman market recht. I don't know. 
Are you with me, guys? Come on. We've got to fall in love with Jesus, guys. We've got to fall in love with Jesus, not through worship. Have you guys noticed, guys from Yilsong, have you guys seen Yilsong's, the, the guys who wrote some of the best songs in 2003, 2005? They have re renounced yeah. Christ. Some of the songs that you used to get that awesome experience with at home or in the big meetings, those same guys today have gone public. They no longer have faith in God. Whoa, but let me tell you something now. If Yilsong was having a, 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 what do you call it, a concert up the road here, you wouldn't be able to get a seat. The whole church will be there because they're looking for that experience. Man, it's a shame, guys. It's a shame. It's really disgusting. We've perverted what this is all about. So why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads, and we'll ask Bash to close in prayer for us. He can do, a, he can do a, a, a leave an altar call. Just waiting for uh, ambiance. You know, that physical stuff. No. <laughs> You know, funny enough, what Tassi was saying before we pray, I'll play you a video next week. Can I, can I do this? I'll play you a video next week of one of the most famous preachers on the planet. And he has a group of young preachers, up-and-coming preachers, oh, you know, these, no. these professional preachers, you know? And you know what they ask him? They say to him, how do we establish uh, uh, the presence of God in a room like this? And you know what he turns around and he says? He says... It's all about creating the atmosphere. And then he says, little churches like this, he says, they'll die because they don't have atmosphere. You need a crowd to experience the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's Benny Hinn. And I'll play you the video. And this is what they, be this is what they believe. Next week, we'll do a little expose on that. How's, how's about that? But don't go out here chasing Benny Hinn now. You want to go take him out, okay? <laughs> You love Benny Hinn. He's, uh, he's trying his best in himself. <laughs> Amen? But we have to call it what it is. Amen, guys? Otherwise, we're going to get, we're going to go down the, down the river with these oaks. Awesome. So just remember, we're going to be doing offering onto Shemaine and the other ladies will be standing at the door. And um, please listen to the Holy Spirit. But right now, Bash, take it away. Thanks. Thank you, Lord. Man, we've had a good time this morning. Just, just be still now. Close your eyes. There's a lot to take in, a lot to chew on. But the number one thing you must get from this morning is that there is freedom waiting for you. There is peace waiting for you. Jesus wants you to be unplugged from all the things we spoke about this morning. He wants you to have absolute reliance on, on Him. The work He has completed, the fact that He is alive inside of you, that He's made you a new creation. Man, you have a new nature. You have a new way of thinking. And it's exactly as Jesus is. And everything you've heard this morning, if any of it was heavy for you, if... If any of it um, maybe had some adverse reactions in you, don't be scared of that. See it as an opportunity. Because you have the opportunity now 
to take your hands off all of that and just fall into the arms of Jesus. You can embrace the rest that he is offering to you. The rest that he paid with his life for you to have. You can partake in the same death that he died and experience the same life that he's experiencing right now. That's his love towards you. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be content. He wants you to live a life of peace and joy. A life just overwhelming with his righteousness. A life that is in harmony with him and with everyone in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you are so good to us, Father. You are so good to us. If there's anyone here this morning, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and this message that you heard this morning really, really impacted your heart, you can feel it in the depths of your being that, you know what? This was for me. I want to know more about this. I want to, I want to take hold of what was taught here this morning. While every eye is closed right now, just, just slip your hand up so we can see. Thank you, Lord. Just slip your hand up so we can see. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Anyone else? Just keep your eyes closed, guys. Just stay still. Thank you. So for all of those who raise their hands um, after the service, once we close up, we'll be at the front here. Please just come and have a chat with us. We just want to ask you some questions, just understand where you're at, just help you to get this, this journey started. Amen. Father, I thank you for every person in this room this morning. Yes, we are so grateful that you are the living God. We are so grateful that we are saved, healed, delivered, set free, and made prosperous in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are alive in our hearts, that we are one spirit with you, God. That everywhere we go, it is not possible for you to be closer to us, God. That every single one of us are one with you, Lord. Everywhere we go this week, Holy Spirit, just help us have an overwhelming consciousness of you, Lord. An overwhelming consciousness of your love, of your peace, of your joy, your wisdom, your provision, your perspective, Lord. Overwhelming. Let our every single moment just be overwhelmed with your very nature, Lord. Everywhere we go, show us how to serve people, God. Show us how to lead people to the same peace that we're experiencing in you. In Jesus' name. Amen.